been asked to consider with you uh, Lord's Day 21 in the Trinity Psalter Hymnal. You'll find that on page 880. At the bottom of page 880, recently you gave consideration together concerning the Holy Spirit and at Lord's Day 21 we see some of the work of the Holy Spirit in the midst of God's people. We'll read the entire Lord's Day but our focus this afternoon will remain with question and answer 54. And question 54 reads, what do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church? The answer begins, I believe. And these are, as I mentioned this morning, very important words to be able to say that one believes. It's a gift of God to believe. I believe that the Son of God, through his spirit and word, out of the entire human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, protects, and preserves for himself a community chosen for eternal life and united in true faith. And of this community, I am and always will be a living member. 55. What do you understand by the communion of the saints? First, that believers, one and all, as members of Christ the Lord, have communion with him and share in all his treasures and gifts. Second, that each member should consider it a duty to use these gifts readily and joyfully for the service and the enrichment of the other members. And then yet 56, what do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sins? I believe that God, because of Christ's satisfaction, will no longer remember any of my sins or my sinful nature, which I need to struggle against all my life. Rather, by his grace, God grants me the righteousness of Christ that I may never come into judgments. How personal and how blessed these testimonies that are ours in faith. Then uh, from the scriptures themselves, we want to turn to the Gospel of John. John chapter 10, and we'll read a good portion of this chapter. We'll hear the Lord speak to us from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 30. God's word speaks thus, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, 
but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father." Therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, He has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now it was the feast of the dedication in Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to them, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, 
neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So far the reading of the Holy Scriptures. We trust that the congregation gathered here knows what it is to listen to the voice of the Savior and to follow him. Indeed, the word of God abides forever, even though the grass and the withers and the flower fades, we know that the truth cannot fail us. I want to read once again that opening question of Lord's Day 21. It's a very personal question. It's a question that each one of us should be able to give answer to in one form or another. Certainly the catechism's answer is a beautiful summary of what we are to believe. What do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church? I believe that the Son of God, through his Spirit and Word, out of the entire human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, protects, and preserves for himself a community chosen for eternal life and united in true faith. And of this community, I am and always will be a living member. May the Lord so add his continued blessing as we seek to submit to the proclamation of the word, as we give special consideration to those three little words within the answer of gathering, protecting, and preserving. <clears throat> Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you were to take an opinion survey as to the value of the church in our society at large, the importance of the church or the role of the church, that survey would be bringing results that are devastating. Today the church in Canadian society and in the Western world for that matter is largely regarded as a dead relic the church is viewed with suspicion, and by some even with anger. The church does not register on most people's Richter scale. As we travel to the house of worship, Lord's Day to Lord's Day, we, we see many people who just simply do their own thing, so to speak, on the Lord's Day. And increasingly in our society at large, people have little understanding of why the church exists. Well, thankfully, we don't go by opinion polls, but we stand by what the Bible teaches in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible speaks in the strongest loving terms of the importance of the church that does not belong to us, but to Christ. Our Heavenly Father loves Zion. Christ gave his life for the church. 
The Holy Spirit leads the church in faith and faithfulness. Now, what we believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church impacts our very life. And it's important for us to be very clear in our minds and our hearts as to the implications of our convictions. They help to shape our worldview. The answer to the question, what is the church, or better, who is the church, is an answer that is important and crucial for each one of us. And each one of us need to be able to answer personal conviction as to belief concerning the church and our place within the church. If you were asked the question, how would you begin to answer? What do you believe? We are to be here as a church. What we are to do as a church. In considering the sound uh, character of the church, we, we focus on the necessity of, of a like-minded faith. It's how beautiful it is to confess the Nicene Creed together. And we understand that the necessity of a of a leadership, elders and deacons, pastor, and a membership who exercise their God-giving calling. Well, we might say uh, a close look at the local church, a close look at to what the Bethel Church here in Elmer uh, can be characterized as, where we are called to practice the communion of the saints where we rejoice together in the forgiveness of sins, uh, where we recognize the washing power of the blood of Christ. But we not only focus on the church here locally, Bethel, but more broadly as we consider the church that is gathered worldwide. It, the church may be, humanly speaking, fading in the West, but in certain quarters of the globe, the church flourishes with great growth. Now, as we wish to consider Christ's work in choosing a community of eternal life, we want to do that by uh, noticing in particular that the sheepfold of Christ is a gathered community, a protected community and a preserved community. The gathering of the church, Christ's church, not ours, church worldwide, began with the very first gospel promise when God speaks to the serpent of the bruising that he will receive. And at that time, the Lord said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, in speaking of the seed of the woman, our Heavenly Father was speaking of those who belong to Christ's sheepfold. The first church members were Adam and Eve. The church, the Bible tells us, is the body of Christ purchased with the blood of Christ. 
And while we live in an age where the church has little regard in society at large, Christ esteemed his church so much that he was willing to die for her. He the head, we subject to the head. Christ the cornerstone, and he calls us to be his building stones in his building. Now how does Christ gather? How is it that we find ourselves here in the congregation and many congregations have assembled this day? Well, each time we, we hear the call to worship, it's beautiful to hear that call, and we think of the Holy Spirit's gathering grace. Think again with me of the call to worship this afternoon. The psalmist's greatest desire was to dwell in the house of the Lord. What to do there? To behold his beauty, to inquire. His desire was for understanding, for, uh, an understanding faith seeking understanding. He understood that, that the church was a pavilion, a place of refuge, and that is also to be our understanding, to, to be called to to come before the Lord in worship is, is of the highest privileges that belong to us and the greatest responsibility. It is no light thing to, to be gathered in the community of believers and in our case here at Bethel, a calling that must be uh, both exercised and answered in faith. We understand the church to be the workshop of the Holy Spirit in which the word of God is proclaimed. And that word is to, to fashion and form the church according to Christ's good pleasure. To fashion and form our hearts in service to the Lord. A workshop in which uh, the Holy Spirit is busy producing and reproducing living members Members whose lives are, are characterized by the fruits of repentance and faith. God is gathering for himself a people to glorify him. And when we think about that congregation, we must say that's simply amazing. Amazing. In my catechism class in Kerwood, I often re remind the students how amazing it is that they may come to be with the congregation, how amazing it is that they may be part of a church that seeks to teach the children the way of the Lord and how rich they are how many in society at large are simply aimless, have no focus, do not understand that this world is a preparation ground for the world to come. And now to think, when, when we're assembled together in that, that covenantal dialogue where the Lord speaks and we reply, uh, where we may enjoy under the banner of the Holy Spirit's presence, fellowship with the Lord. That's amazing. 
Simply amazing. With one voice and one heart, we, we can uh, raise the chorus of praise. Our, our testimony is lifted before the Lord. We're not simply here as a collection of individuals, but as a congregation, as a body of Christ subject to our head, the Lord Jesus. The Savior speaks of his gathering work when he uses the language when he speaks of his work as the good shepherd. And boys and girls, those of you who are younger amongst us, I'm sure that you too, in, 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 in the eye of your mind, can picture the scene of the shepherd farmer, the sheep herder who, who goes to the field to call his sheep, because they know him, they follow his voice. He calls by name. He's called each one of us to be one in the Lord as we worship and serve him together in the church. And when it's time to, to bring those sheep back to the pasture, the shepherd leads the way, bringing them to the green grass of the pastures. In like manner, Christ by his word and spirit calls us to the safety of the sheepfold, the church. And in the preaching of the word, when we give careful attention to it with humble hearts and sincerity, we hear the voice of Christ. And we learn something again about the beauty of our beautiful Savior who cares so much for us that he would not leave us in the dark, that he would not leave us in, in the wilderness, as it were, but that he would call us by name to follow him. It is the work of Christ through the Holy Spirit and his holy word to do this work of gathering the sheep through all ages and all places. There is a gathering in heaven, and there is a gathering of God's people who, who have come together in faithful churches, churches that, that seek their life in Christ, churches that are alive, churches that take delight in the work of Christ, in his life, in his ministry, those days of humiliation where he, from his conception onward, laid down his life for the sheep. And through the preaching of the word, it would be considered uh, strange in the eyes of the world, but certainly not in the way of the Lord. Through the preaching of the word and the implications of such preaching, for the seeking of the lost, for the edifying of the sheep, for the working of faith and stirring the faith of the believer. In the body life of Christ's church, we find ourselves gathered from Lord's Day to Lord's Day, and not simply as individuals or families, but as the flock of the Good Shepherd. He is our head and we are to live as his body. Now do all who belong to the church in turn belong to Christ. What do I mean? 
Well, on earth, the Bible teaches the church is a mixed body. We think of the parable of the wheat and the tares. Growing along with the wheat, there are those tares, the weeds. There are those who are simply part of the church by appearance, going through the motions without any real life. Though Christ regards his bride as holy, it is always in this world having a unholy mixture within it. Not all of those who speak of honoring Christ with their lips honor him with their heart as well. This too for our self-examination. How is it that we honor the great shepherd? Since God alone can read the human heart, the true elect are visible to him, but in some measure invisible to us. And we understand that the invisible church is completely visible to God. In our calling to be church, we may say the task of the elect is to make the invisible church visible. Now we say that, brothers and sisters, for our encouragements. What a wonderful encouragement, question and answer 54. What a wonderful encouragement, gospel of John chapter 10. God knows his church. Those living members whom he has gathered through the ages, whom he gathers even in this hour, he will protect. When we truly understand that Jesus is the door by which we must enter the kingdom, then, then we also experience the conviction of knowing what it is to be safeguarded. Jesus is the sole means to approach the Father and to partake of God's promised salvation. The shepherds of Bible times would often sleep in the gateway to guard the sheep. And Jesus, the scripture lesson tells us, pictures himself as the gate. The gathered work is a protected work. We especially need to hear that together, brothers and sisters, as the militancy against the gospel in our own nation continues to increase. Where there are voices that will say that the Christian faith is racist. Where there are voices that say that the Bible speaks of language of hatred going to feel that pinch more and more. Yeah, we need to be prepared. But the best way to prepare is to know the promise of the Lord when Jesus, and he gave many promises, but here's one. Not even the gates of hell will prevail against his church. To understand that there, there is a real protection in the sheepfold. When we live together in a like-minded faith, there is a real communion. There's that confidence that, that we're not alone. There is for the sheep the knowledge that the shepherd will take care of his sheep, a conviction that the truth will be preached, that the sacraments will be celebrated in a God-glorifying manner, that the discipline of discipleship will be exercised. 
Jesus will defend his church by, by means of office bearers who know what it is to live up to their vows as under shepherds of the flock. And because the Lord Jesus defends his church, church history teaches us that, he will also preserve her. Now that does not mean that the church will always have a peaceful existence. I've already alluded to the trends in our own society. And again, church history is filled with many accounts of the struggling church, the militant church, the church that must face the onslaught of the devil. 52 countries in this world ban the Bible. Many countries have uh, open persecution that seeks to silence the believer. Or to step back into history, we, we think of what Guido de Bra, the preacher of the Reformed churches in the Netherlands who died a martyr to the faith in, in the year 1567. Uh, during the 16th century, the churches in, in the area in which Guido lived were exposed to the most terrible persecution by the Roman Catholic government. You remember what he said? I'm sure the young people amongst us have considered his testimony quite closely. I don't know who among you are studying the Belgic Confession at the moment, but when you began that study, I'm, I'm sure that you recognized the protest that Guido wrote uh, against the cruel oppression and how he sought to prove uh, that he was not a rebel. He sought to prove to the persecutors that the adherents of the Reformed faith uh, were no rebels as was laid to their charge, but law-abiding citizens who professed the true Christian doctrine according to the Holy Scriptures. And in the confession itself as an introduction, when the copy was sent to King Philip II, uh, in the opening address, the petitioners declared that they were ready to obey the government in, in all lawful things, but that they would offer their backs to strife, their tongues to knives, their mouths to gags, and their whole bodies to the fire, would we do the same? rather than deny the truth expressed in the confession. They stood firm in God's grace. They declared their allegiance to the Lord. And the Lord blessed them for it, even at the cost of their lives. Yes, in spite of persecution, the church goes forth, her existence has always been marked by difficulty. After all, the churches uh, are called to, to bear the cross. And when we look closely at church history, it would seem at times that the gathering work of Christ may seem to be very little. The skeptic may ask, where is that church that you speak of? What bearing does the church have on society? Do you really believe that God is gathering and uh, defending and preserving a, a church when you see what is unfolding 
And then we are mindful of what we confess with Belgic Article 27, where we confess the church has been from the beginning of the world and will be to the end thereof, which is evident from this, that Christ is eternal king, which without subjects he cannot be. A king always has subjects. And this holy church is preserved, supported by God against the rage of the whole world, though sometimes for a while appearing very small and in the eyes of men to be reduced to nothing as during the perilous reign of Ahab when the Lord reserved to himself how many? What was it? 7,000 men who had not bowed their knees to Baal. You remember Elijah thought he was the only one left. Well, the Lord says not quite, quite that far. There's at least 7,000 men and we trust their families. And boys and girls, when you study this story at school or at home, when you listen to this Bible exposition in terms of the difficulties for the people of God in this age, you think now, what is it all going to become? The worship of the true God had largely fallen by the wayside. You remember how so many... From the covenant community no longer followed the Lord. Baal worship was more attractive to them. And he, again, Elijah thought he was the only one left. But God kept for himself a people. We call that the remnants. A remnant is a small leftover. And, and how we must be very thankful for the remnants. And when that remnant is gathered, then we will see a great myriad of peoples, people gathered at the Crystal Sea. God keeps for himself a people. Now to this day, there remains many enemies for the church to face. The government increasingly is setting itself against those churches that hold the Bible to be truth from cover to cover. Much of the media takes every opportunity to mock the church of Jesus Christ and the list can be multiplied. Now, those enemies exist not only from the outside, but also very sadly from within. That's also the story of church history in 2 Timothy chapter 4. The Apostle Paul writes concerning those who abandoned him. And at verse 16, we can read at at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Then in verses 17 and 18, he writes, But the Lord, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered, delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord, Paul wrote, will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for the heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, now if the Apostle Paul can say amen in light of such difficulties, if he can testify of God's deliverance, well, then how are we thus to be encouraged in our difficulties? Indeed so. Despite the fury of the enemy, 
Christ will not allow the church to succumb. As we sing from time to time, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. God will not neglect to provide the faithful church with everything necessary to permit the church to preserve in faith and to be led in faithfulness. The church is not simply local, it's also worldwide. And as we confess the church which God regards as holy for the sake of the Lamb was slain, is not confined, bound or limited to a certain place or to certain persons, but is spread and dispersed over the whole world and yet is joined and united with heart and will by the power of faith in one and the same spirit. We have brothers and sisters all over the world. By God's grace, we'll meet them someday as we gather in the kingdom complete. We, as family, are not defined by skin color, by language, by race, The family of God is defined by Christ as he graciously by his spirit and word binds us together in the faith that has been delivered once for all. The Bethel Church here, rather a a young congregation, has been preserved by the Lord. Speaking with Brother Henry Hardemink, Oh, approaching some 32 years. In the big picture, that's a small slice, but in the immediate picture, that's a great blessing, a great blessing. There have been difficulties in the past. There will be difficulties in the future. We've had to wrestle, you know that, with some heavy topics, as it were. But there have been many, many blessings. Thank the Lord for them, congregation. Pray for the church here. Pray for the church worldwide. Remember that we, the clay in the hands of the potter, Jesus, the good shepherd, and with him we shall lack nothing. False shepherds, they do arise. Uh, will seek to draw us astray from the true knowledge in the kingdom of the Messiah. False shepherds who are self-appointed, self-righteous. It's important that as we study the history of the Old Testament church, if you think of uh, the prophet Jeremiah, how he had to deal with false prophets. Uh, Important that we stand together as one, Resolve to be steadfast, to be a true community of love and concern with giving hearts to the life of the fellowship that we may enjoy together. We, we need to see that we're important to the Lord and out of that importance, share a concern for each and every one of us that we may together take joy and comfort 
in the gospel, in the work of Christ. Uh, joy and comfort in, in knowing that our Father knows. Joy and comfort in knowing that the Lord's purpose will ripen according to his timetable. Uh, the importance of, of what it means to stand shoulder to shoulder together, united in faith, a hand and a foot to one another, a faith that expresses itself in the truth of God's word. Even including the parts that we, we find somewhat difficult to understand, difficult to fathom. And so, as we conclude, let us remember that as the scriptures are given to us, that they must be a living word for us. And as we bind ourselves on, under a common confession that, that it would be a living reality in our midst. We did not simply read and hear question and answer 54 as, as a matter of information. Oh, may it be for us a matter of conviction, a matter of where, where we take our stand, a living confession so that we might be living members of a community of faith that is winsome for others uh, to be by God's grace embraced within the community of faith. It is always good to examine ourselves to see that, uh, that we together are, are busy uh, living out of our confession. Now, our part may not be noticeable to others, but God knows our hearts. God hears our prayers. God knows the desire that we have for his church. God knows if we truly love the bride of Christ. God knows better than we ourselves if we truly heed the voice of our good and great shepherd. And should he find us faithful, he will continue to do his gathering, defending and preserving work amongst us. Bethel will then live until he returns. Perhaps you'll, you'll plant in the course of time. We don't know how much time we have, but if there's longer time, maybe Bethel will, will plant a number of churches. How the community of Aylmer needs to know the truth, the truth. Then Bethel will not be a church that, that closes as so many have closed in our society because of man's sin. And then one day, one glorious day, those who belong to Christ will belong to the eternal gathering. Gathered into the eternal Jerusalem, where our service to God will be perfected for eternity. In the meantime, we must go forward, you as congregation must go forward as Christ's gathered community here on the east side of Ilmer. And as Paul would say to the church gathered at Corinth, even as he says to us, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain 
in the Lord. Indeed, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Go forward, brothers and sisters, in faith, knowing that the work of a true church is the work of Christ. May that be our comfort strong, and may we seek to be that community of believers that the Lord calls us to be. Amen and amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee for the gift of the church. We thank thee that we may confess the church to be the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. And we thank thee that as the good shepherd labors, he labors to gather his sheep under his word by his call, that he protects his sheep, that he, he preserves his sheep in the truth. And so, Lord God, we pray that we may constantly have our eyes placed on Christ, who knew no sin, who was made to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, Lord, help us to adore the Christ who humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And help us, we pray, to always look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, Father, bless the Bethel Church here. Encourage her, lead her, guide her, and bless the church worldwide. And may churches be planted in our own nation how our nation needs the testimony of the gospel. Lord, we pray, lead the leaders of this land to the understanding of their need of Christ. Lead the leaders of our land to repentance and faith. And may we, Lord, pray for that continually. So, Lord, guide us now as we soon depart company. Lord, we pray and grant that our life here together may certainly be a joy in the Lord, he who is our strength, and in whose name we pray. Amen. <laughs>